with Mitch Trubisky, I can at least walk through and be like, at least we went for the guy that we wanted. That's fine. Mitch is a quarterback that we never wanted. You know, you saw... You guys before the show, a lot of people like this one as well. That's the one! That's the one! <laughs> Same this guy... John, you my man! You my man! I love this one! This one's a keeper. I don't care about anybody else. I can remove my team. That's a keeper. Chilling, go this ahead, one's <laughs> I mean, guy, if he brought, if literally, if my sister brought him home, I'd be terrified. <laughs> <laughs> but he but seems like, so sweet at the same oh, time. Oh, he does. With his glasses, with his glasses, I get yeah. it. Also, voices from everywhere. And I always talk about this uh, for the fan, by the fans, for the fans. You know what I'm saying? And so, you guys have a unique way of being able to do what you guys do. And I just want to tell you guys thank you so much because I see you. If I see you, that means you guys are out there, and that's always Turn me on. As long as you're not going to be a Green Bay Packer, I have to put that out there. I have to put that out there. <laughs> no, anywhere else, hey, as long as hey. you don't go to Green Bay, we're okay. I know, I know, right? Now I appreciate you guys having me support, man. Honestly, like I think we're on this. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to remain professional and compose yourself here, for God's sake. <laughs> we. This uh, this whole show is getting deleted, guys. Just so you know, <laughs> no, it's not. It's, ne- it's never going to be on. Come back to the Irish Bear Show. It is fantastic to be back and to be back with a a full host of hosts. Really, it's it's brilliant to be able to talk Bears football. It's been it's been a crazy couple of weeks where you get kind of the euphoria from the draft, and it's like just completely goes down and everybody goes back to trying to nitpick every single thing when there's not really anything going on. We are joined by Tony, Anthony, Adam, and Noel. Guys, how are you getting on today? Good, Very man. Good, good, my man. Good, man. All good. It's nice that, as in Scotland, they would say we've got a full house. So we've got, yes. we've got a full house tonight. Oh, actually, we're missing Corey, so it's almost full. But, yeah. but we're nearly almost, there. Almost there. <laughs> One of these days... We will have everybody on because it's the way it kind of works out. Sometimes we're able to get, there's loads of people that are able to come on. Then other times it's like there's like two of us or three of us. And look, it'll be good to be able to get a couple of us on. And one of these days we will get everybody on and just have a, just have a laugh. Um, but yeah, look, we're here today to, I guess, to start with a bit of a, I guess, a roster analysis because we, we always said that, there's no point in analyzing what the Bears have done until they put together their 90-man roster. And at this point in time, they've done that, right? Now, where we wanted to start off with today was going to be, we're going to talk about the offensive side of the football. We're going to talk about some of the offensive rookies. There's a lot of them to talk about here. Um, so, yeah, look, it's, it's going to be interesting. We will have... Um, one of our guests covers the Tennessee Volunteers. He's going to be joining us in just about in about five minutes' time, where we're going to talk a little bit about Valus Jones Jr. or Valus Jones Jr. No, that's what they he said he liked it to be to be pronounced as. So we are going to do that. But yeah, look, it's a it's an interesting one when we look at this guy because for me, he typically gets this kind of I guess the Darnell Mooney treatment where people are so focused on where they projected these guys to go and that's where their opinion has to be and it can't change like when you watch this guy and you hear him talk as well it's the one thing that i would say is he he does exude a bit of confidence and that's something that it's going to be interesting to see kind of 
I guess what we see from him over the next couple of months, can he have that impact? Look, I'm going to go through each of you before we kind of bring one of our guests on the show today. And look, Tony, initial thoughts after, what is it now, two, three weeks post-draft, what are your thoughts on the kind of wide receiver that the Bears did bring in? Um, I don't feel as bad about it as a lot of other people do. Um, I think if you look at you know what we had last year, and compare it to what we have this year, what have we really lost? Um, you know, because Alan Robinson didn't really contribute too much last year. Um, we've seen the sort of rise of Darnell Mooney and the kind of expectation that that will continue this year as well. And we went out there and added a couple of um, guys with really, really good athletic traits, um, a lot of upside. And so, again, I keep going back to it, guys who've got a point to prove, especially the free agents that they've brought in. So I think if you're a team that's trying to build from scratch an offense um, with limited cap space and limited draft capital, <clears throat> they've went about it in a decent way. Um, and they've brought in some guys that, you know, there's is low risk and it could be a high reward. So um, this, is, this is a long way, a long rebuild. It's not going to be happening in one year. So, um, yeah, I, I'm feeling... I'm feeling good about it until we actually see the product on the field. We can't fully evaluate it, but at the moment, it's it's coming together, and um, and I'm feeling I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I, I've got to, I've got to be optimistic. I can't I can't be I can't be doing with the caveats and everything every time we talk about the bears. Like let's just say if something looks good, it's good. Not because they're playing with the twos or because a quarterback isn't Justin Fields or whatever. Like let's just like things for what they are. Anyway. Exactly. Look, guys, if you're uh, watching us over on Twitter, make sure you get over onto YouTube. If you're if you're not sure on that, just look at our our tweet. You can follow us over on the Irish Bear Show over on YouTube. So get involved, uh, Anthony. I'm gonna come to you next. What are your your kind of thoughts on? I guess a couple of weeks after drafts has happened now, he's the guy that I know a lot of people weren't to weren't expecting at the beginning of the draft but like this is the guy you brought in this is the guy that they've clearly gone after and now it's time to just see what he can do on the field and not just i guess have those preconceived notions of what you thought was going to happen in the draft because we mentioned it plenty of times while we like we liked the wide receiver class we kept mentioning that the way we are going to rank them positionally are going to be completely different than the teams yeah, and I think it's it's important to realise that no matter who we would have drafted, people would have been given out about it. We could have drafted five or six wide receivers and there'd be someone saying, why didn't you take seven or eight? That's just life. I think what I like about this is that he seems very much in, in favour of getting someone that he wants and what, what obviously our offensive coordinator gets he wanted as well and, and there seems to be a bit of connection between those two. I'm with Tony as well. I think we've got to be optimistic at this stage because... If you're not, why are you a fan? Like this is I'm not saying go disillusioned and mad madness, but like we were I listened to your show last week, it was brilliant, and it was like we were talking about wins of seven, eight, nine, and ten wins this season. Like, why can't we think like that? Why can't we dream and, and be optimistic? Because if you don't be optimistic nowadays, what are you doing? I'm also with with um Tony as well around the, the wide receivers, the likes of Sharp. I'm really interested in him actually. Uh, just really a one year deal, a lot of proven stuff, him and Pettis, a lot of proven stuff. And I'm really interested to see how they get on. And I'm 
again, I've been saying all along, Noel's listened to me all the time. I know we quoted a few weeks ago. I just want this to be fun. I'm in a, I'm in a shed in Sweden. For the love of God, can I not just have it just be fun? Yeah, absolutely. Look, we're going to bring in our guest. It's a, again, we all want to learn more about these draft picks. That's what our aim is. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be having people from that kind of cover these guys from the last couple of years to to be to be able to get a better insight because we know a certain amount we know from what we've seen when we watch them on tape but sometimes it's to know what the feeling was around that player so without further ado i'm gonna bring in matt ray who again was one of the publishers on volunteers and si.com so matt how are you doing today hey guys how are y'all doing yeah good, very, very very good it's We've we've just been talking about Valus Jones Jr. before you come on here. Um, I I guess let's go before the draft, go into last season. He comes over from USC. What was your kind of expectation as he was coming in to join the Volunteers wide receiving core? Well, I think when you look back through Valus's career at USC, the big playability was always there. That was, you know, one of the things that stood out. Didn't have a huge career in terms of receptions, but was USC's main kickoff return guy and, and showed the explosiveness that everybody knew about coming out of high school. Um, Jeremy Pruitt staff able to recruit him over, and and that's what they needed on the offensive side of the ball. Right, was that guy that could, you know, run after the catch and try to take that pro style offense to the next level. So we got to see a little bit of that in the 2020 COVID season, but not a tremendous amount. So the coaching change goes on there at Tennessee and and everything goes on. And it goes from a really pro-style offense, defensive-led team to Josh Hopple's fast-paced, quick-hitting style of offense. And I think that was the best thing that could have happened for Valus Jones' career. Um, You got to see him have a real breakout season in this final year of collegiate eligibility last fall. I think he caught around 60 passes, uh, seven touchdowns, had over roughly 900 combined return yards, um, at least one return touchdown, I believe a punt return later in the season, if I remember correctly. I don't think he had a kick return. But you just kind of got to see his career come full circle, and that's what everybody wanted to see for him. That's what he hoped to piece together. He could have grad transferred out somewhere but took the option not to, stayed at Tennessee, wrote it out, become a leader in the locker room. And not for nothing, last season, you know, you look at those numbers, last season it didn't get off to an ideal start for him. He didn't get, he didn't, you know, get the start right away. He had a little nagging injury coming out of camp, and he was able to turn it around around game three and four and then post that stat line that he did, and it just – Tremendous talent all the way around in Valus Jones, the way he's handled himself, his collegiate career, battling back through injuries. If you're a Chicago Bears fan right now, should be pretty excited, I think. Yeah, Matt, I think what we kind of we look at last season with Tennessee, and we can say that Jones Jr.'s uh, it was a breakout year for him in terms of contributions, in terms of his stat line, all that kind of stuff. When he was Obviously, he was a two-year starter with Tennessee. When he was brought over, when he came over from USC, did you think that they seen him as primarily just a return guy? And do you think there's any, just off the back of that as well? Obviously, with getting more opportunity 
in his second year with Tennessee. Was there any particular reason for that, or did they just see development in him in the first year and thought there's a guy that can make a solid contribution? So, no, coming over from USC, actually, at the time that he committed to USC, signed there around 2016, he was recruited there by T. Martin, uh, who was the wide receivers coach at Tennessee when he transferred in back, you know, back into the southeast to Tennessee. So T brought him in knowing, you know, having had a chance to scout him through high school, coach him up out in the Pac-12, then brought him back to the, you know, SEC to play ball. Um, so they looked at him as a slot guy, utility guy that they could get creative with and try to uh, – the, the ideal for that staff was to try to work him in a lot of different ways in terms of, you know, lining him up in the backfield because he's big enough He's big enough that he can run in between the tackles. He's a guy that can, you know, hold up with an ACC linebacker. So they wanted to get creative with him, but then they had this setback through COVID. You know, they, they didn't get to install a whole lot. He gets here and then everybody goes home. Everything goes online, you know, in that type of situation. And that was just unfortunate for him and unfortunate for a lot of guys on that team, you know, that just missed out on that. But then year two – you know, Josh Heupel's staff, they come in and they just didn't have a lot to go on. Jeremy Pruitt's staff, there were a few games where before halftime the year before they had only, they had, you know, less than 10 throws in one game. You know, so it was tough to kind of judge what guys could do, where their route tree was, what they could do. So you see them kind of sprinkling guys quick hitters in fall camp, getting the ball out, seeing who can do things in space. And once Valus got that opportunity, once he got healthy and back to where he needed to be really going into SEC play. He's that guy with, yeah, he's a little, you know, he, he looks like he's little, but when you're standing next to him, he's not. He's he's solid muscle. He's every bit of the advertised weight that he's listed at, and he's really tough to bring down quick first step, quick laterally. Uh, so he's a guy that just really flourished in that offense, and then when you have to walk somebody up on him, it be, if it's a safety, good luck. If you try to bring a linebacker out on him, he's going to run across his face and he's going, you know, 70 yards for a touchdown. So it's that type of thing. He does have that game-breaking speed, but he can do so many other things. He's big enough to block in space. He's big enough to, to you know, take a little jet touch pass and turn it up if he needs to and get a couple of hard yards. Whatever you need him to do, he's a guy that can do it all. I think he goes even higher in this past draft if – not for the age, and I know that's a concern for, for guys. He, he is a little bit older. You know, he's, he's had a longer career. But you take that away, I, I think he goes even higher in this past draft because he checks every box that you're looking for off the field. Locker room leader, all, one of the first guys in, one of the last guys out, just, just does everything the right way. His career's been about perseverance, and, and he's done that, at, you know, at every step. Sorry, Matt, you were just talking about his speed there. And obviously that's that's the first thing people kind of talk about when they talk about Valis. But is there an attribute that maybe people aren't talking about that you as someone who's watched him a lot would be able to tell us about? Something that maybe isn't getting that kind of highlighted, say, as his speed does does get highlighted. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll go back to um I'll go back to one of the first games I ever covered on this um on this journey here was a high school game. Um, you guys should be familiar with this guy, Justin Fields. Um, Harrison High School playing Rome. Uh, really competitive matchup in the state of Georgia. Open the season there. Justin Fields, 
number one player in the country at the time, going back and forth with Trevor Lawrence. Um, and I think every person, every media person that really covered recruiting in the time was was there that night. Um, but, you know, you, you saw Justin Fields like to take those deep shots down the field. And, you know, I talked about Dean and Dungan with Bayless getting the ball in space to him. He's a guy that over time in his career at Tennessee, I don't think people realize how many plays he made down the field. His body control and ability to work back to the football and win contested catches it has actually been pretty phenomenal given, you know, the way that he had been used. There's a catch in 2020. I can't remember if it's against Florida or Texas A&M, one of the later games in the season um, as Tennessee was finishing off that three and seven season where it's the ball's thrown behind him, not an intentional back shoulder ball. He turns it into a touchdown, you know, and it, it had no business. It had no business being a touchdown. He's back against the sidelines. He's going to the back pylon, comes back, able to adjust his body accordingly, make a really nice catch with a SECDB on him, and stay in bounds. So uh, that for me, that's probably the biggest thing that I think has been overlooked in his career is some of those ball skills down the field. He's not a leaper, you know, per se or anything like that, but he's a guy that he can, can he can use his body. To, to win one-on-one situations that he probably shouldn't win. And, you you know, you talk about some underrated aspects to his play style, and that's, I think, one thing that Bears fans especially are kind of longing for is that we know he's got that elite game-breaking speed. We know he's got that elite return potential. Um, but as you said, you know, there's a lot of body control and stuff we don't know about because of the limited tape, because of the limited knowledge that we've really got on the guy. But then you hear, you know, uh, people coming out, from the senior bowl saying that they've got the comp of a Debo Samuel, or you hear, um, you know, Valus Jones Jr. on the radio last week said his favorite player that he likes to mold himself after is Percy Harvin, which, you know, I, I could think of a lot worse people to have in an offense that really needs some dy- dynamicism. Um, do you think that these comparisons at this point are, are appropriate or is there, you know, uh, that feeling of, you know, hold your horses, the guy's got skills, but maybe knock it down a tick. Should we be as hopeful as, you know, some people are telling us that, you know, there's a lot that we haven't seen, but there's a lot that there still is to uncover about a guy like Bayless because we haven't seen a lot of him. I I think you see those, I think you see that potential there. I don't know that that potential has been reached yet, but that potential is there. And like I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, that initial staff that he came over from USC to Tennessee, it was one of the ways they envisioned was just getting creative with him as a, as a gadget guy. And we saw that with Percy over his career. We saw that with Debo a lot last year. There were games where Debo was a better running back than a receiver. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I think personally, Valus is just one of those guys that can really do whatever he sets his mind to. He doesn't have that frame that a Cordero Patterson does, you know, but he has that he has that ability to shift into any role and always give a hundred percent in anything he does. And for me, I talk about this all the time. I talk about this, the high school recruits that I cover, see guys at the college level that don't do it. Special teams is, it's not, I'm not saying it's everything, but it's so huge, especially in the NFL. When you look at the condensed size of a roster, you know, I look back to the SEC championship last year. There's a certain play where Jamison Williams, who is, you know, 
obviously what he did speaks for himself. He's down the field as the gunner on the punt return team, right? Makes a huge stop. He's the fastest guy on the field, willing to lay it all out there in the SEC championship. For me, that's that's Valus, you know, the mindset that he has. He's he's very mature. He he goes about his business. He's gonna put the team first. You know, when you look at the adversity that you kind of face at the first of last year, because Tennessee's putting up numbers that they haven't put up in years in the passing game. And you have Jimmy Callaway who scores a 70 something yard touchdown against Pitt. You have you know, Cedric Tillman in the middle of his breakout season. You have these guys putting up big offensive numbers and Valus is there waiting, you know, for his turn. This is supposed to be his year with this offense and things don't go his way to start off. He, he has that little nagging injury that kind of slowed him down, but when he got when he got his opportunity, he was ready and made the most of it. I just think that that's you know some of the same characteristics that a guy like Debo and a guy like Percy have. I think Debo even more so than Percy, and I love Percy's game. But Debo was a guy at South Carolina that got used in so many ways. There were games that he wasn't able to do. You know, a team could bracket him because he didn't have necessarily other guys around him. That type of thing. It, he would make it work for him. I think that's what Valus Jones has always done is make it work for him. And, and I think that's what you'll see in Chicago. Matt, that, uh, what you said as well, there was another point that you made earlier on that I just kind of want to go back on a little bit. And it's because we didn't see a lot of it in Chicago last year is, is leadership. Uh, can you give us an explanation of what you mean by, by Valus's kind of leadership standards and, and skills and, and what do you think he will bring to the, to, to, the, to the locker room, really? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just again, you're talking about a guy that when you roll into, and I guess rookie minicamp's going on now, but when, when you look at that, you're talking about an older guy that's going to lead the rookies for sure. Um, but just the way he was at Tennessee, so you you go through um, a coaching change, right, and a, and a nasty coaching change at that with with everything that went on. You're the guys that you came from USC for to finish out your career with, the head coach gets fired for calls. Your position coach who had been with all those years at USC and then at Tennessee, he doesn't get retained. Um, he ends up going to the NFL for the Ravens, you know, to coach wide receiver for the Ravens. But you've got all this going on, and Valus is one of those glue guys inside of that locker room that within a year's time was able to have everybody's respect hold it and really hold a huge part of Tennessee's locker room down and say, look, let's look forward to what's coming next. It can benefit us, especially in that wide receiver room where guys were ready to, you know, you know, bolt and, and jump into the transfer portal as easy as it is to do now. He's one of those guys that was able to hold that together and say, let's see what's there. You know, let's let's kind of assess this a little bit more. We don't have to panic. We don't have to rush. And look, it turned out great for everybody in there. They hired Josh Hopple. They have the offense that a receiver should dream of. And, you know, that's just – it's just that extra level of maturity, I think, just the ability to to think through and process things, you know, so differently than a normal college, you know, kid does. And, and these guys are still young. They're still kids. So, you know, a lot of times that gets lost. But for Valus, he's just one of those guys that – He's always going to do what he believes is going to put the team first. And, you know, he's there. They Tennessee's starting a new quarterback going into 2021, right? There's They lose Jared Garantano to the transfer portal. Hendon Hooker comes over, transfer. 
Joe Milton comes in, transfer. Harrison Bailey, the only guy mm-hmm. on the team that, you know, is not a transfer, but he's a freshman that got limited time last year. So, Valus is there every single day running routes for those guys, letting those guys try to get in a rhythm, getting other wide receivers out there to get Tennessee that much further ahead. This during the offseason, you know, and, and an everyday thing during the season. Just a guy that just leads by example, I think, is probably the best way to say it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I guess, one of the things that I think a lot of fans get stuck up with when it comes to the NFL draft and afterwards is that we mentioned it beforehand that the fact that everybody can do their own mock drafts, <laughs> they think that they know exactly where everybody should go. So yeah. I guess, uh, like, when you saw it before, like, anybody that was doing their mock drafts or, like, you were seeing people try and put Valus in whatever, the fifth round, the fourth round, the fact that he became a third-round pick and there was a lot of chatter that there was multiple teams eyeing him up at that point in time, does that surprise you that he was a day-two pick? Because... Often when you look, like you mentioned, right, if it wasn't for his age where people are saying that he he just turned 25, that he would have gone higher and maybe he would have got even more kind of, I guess, publicity than he did because you didn't hear enough about him, even though when you go back and you actually watch what he did, like the tape backs up where he was selected. Yeah, the tape. um, To me, the tape is everything, you know, in, in any phase of this game, the tape is going to show pretty much everything you can do. I, I think the age is the biggest hindrance for him. I'm not one bit surprised to see Valus go as high as he did. Um, you know, just to me, I think the Bears were able to make a really smart decision when they did. I don't think you would have lasted long after that. I, no. I really don't. I think if you wanted to come back to him the next round, I think he's gone. Um just haven't had the opportunity to, you know, see how he's handled himself at press conferences and and how he just does so many of the little things well. I have no doubt that at the Senior Bowl where he had a great week um, and then throughout his, you know, visits and and having a chance to sit down for more one-on-one stuff with the, you know, teams, I have no doubt that he thoroughly impressed more teams than just Chicago. Um, I'm sure there were some some war rooms at the time that, you know, were a little disappointed when Chicago popped him off the board that early because they thought they might be able to steal him a few picks later. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I always find it funny with the – we've mentioned the age thing a couple of times, but I, I think now fans that are, like, supporting Valus just kind of mock it a little bit. I know I saw – I can't remember who it was – but they did, you know, one of those Photoshop pictures of him like as if he was 70 years old yeah. or, something, or something like that. Like, at the end of the day, we, we've mentioned plenty of times on the show is it won't matter if he was 25 or 22. If he's a good player, it, it doesn't really matter if he's productive. So with that said, what would you consider a successful rookie season for a guy like Vailis? Is it just making sure that you become a good part of the offense? Is there any numbers or is there I guess what would you like to see from him in his rookie season yeah I think um, I think it's finding his niche in the return game which which I think he'll have the opportunity to do Chicago you know and in the NFL across the board is so different you know in the return game than college but you know I think for him it's settling in that role in the offense he's not going to have trouble picking up the playbook you know that's not going to be a situation for him 
Um, he's going to come to work every single day and do that type of thing. I think it's just finding, you know, finding that fit. I don't think he's going to have a hard time adjusting, you know, to the speed of the game, anything like that. He's older. He's seen it at a lot of different levels. USC, he played behind some really good receivers that went really high on draft boards. Here at Tennessee, he's played with some really good receivers. Josh Palmer that went to the Chargers last year. Cedric Tillman's going to the league somewhere next year pretty high. So I, I think he understands being around those guys, that type of work ethic. I think for him it's just finding, you know, how Chicago wants to use him. And, you know, midseason would not be surprised at all to see him flourish. And, you know, once he's in that role, again, he's just a guy that takes the slightest opportunity and runs with it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I, I, it's hard to put a number on a rookie season, you know, that type of thing. Uh, but, you know, again, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him as a big part of Chicago's offense next fall. And obviously that's something that they need. And, you know, I don't know which way this offense will head. But, you know, with a guy like Justin Fields who has that escapability, can get outside the pocket, Valus is really good at working back to the quarterback, you know, getting his number around, and then run after catch. You know, for a guy like Justin Fields, who you're still building this team around, putting, you know, moving offensive line pieces to try to protect. You know, I don't know what the numbers were on Fields' sack last sack count last year. It was bad. Yeah, I'm sure. Too I'm high, sure. Matt. Too high. Top some pressure sure. percentage. Shit was the word you were looking for. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's going to escape. Fields is going to escape the pocket. He's going to make plays. He's going to be outside the pocket. He's he's great on the run. And for me, that's where a guy, I think, like Valus probably finds his role in year one is, is being that guy that is always there. You know, what more can a quarterback ask for? Um, I think when Valus is in the game, where his mind is, he knows so many other things that the other players are supposed to be doing. He's a guy that, as he's, you know, he can sit down, he can read coverages on his own top thing. So for me, it's just going to be probably Mr. Reliable as this offense tries to find its identity. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing that I, I went out there on, on Twitter trying to ask what, uh, some of the Bears fans' predictions for what a good rookie season would be for Vela's. And the one thing I said, Matt, and it wasn't so much that this would be the total touchdowns, but more of the stylistic way of scoring. And I said, don't be surprised if you get a receiving touchdown, a running touchdown, and a kick return for a yeah. touchdown. Yeah, that, that wouldn't be surprising at all. Yeah, he's, look, he, he's one that I think as people watch more and more, you tend to, to like more. I guess one of the things that you've said before in terms of how he was a leader what is he like in terms of I guess his work off the field because if you look at it here what we see in Chicago a lot is that Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney every time they have a chance they're gone to Georgia they're gone working out with one each other build that chemistry do you see Velas Jones Jr. as a potential person that would fit in that mold that they constantly want to improve their craft and constantly want to I guess build up that chemistry from quarterback to receiver yeah absolutely that's you know, that's one of the things i kind of touched on a, a little earlier but just you had you know the work with tennessee with those new quarterbacks that they were breaking in it's that type of thing off season he's back in mobile where he's from he's training he's having you know, harrison bailey down to work with him during that time he's traveling into georgia to work with him you know they're, they're doing so many things he's a guy that football's it you know, if it's tireless, that's all he cares about. That's all he wants to do. So, 
Um, it's it's a big thing for him. I think that probably for me, there's times where Valus could have said, you know, I, I'm just going to finish out my career, get my degree, and move on. But it was never the case. You know, he had some unfortunate breaks go his way at different times in his career, and it just seemed to make him work harder. So I think that's what you'll continue to see from him in Chicago now. It's yeah. funny that oh, – sorry. Uh, it's funny that you're, you know, coming on here and giving us a little insight onto him. Um, you know, I no one ever texts me, and I've gotten at least five texts so far, like, man, this guy's really making me feel comfortable. And we've got a lot of Bears meatball fans, a lot of doomers and gloomers. So, you know, it's nice to have you come in here. And I just want to let you know that your effect, your humanitarian efforts here <laughs> – with my meatball friends texting me right now saying, you know, you're telling us things that, like I said, we don't know a lot because there's not a lot to go off on him. All we're hearing is what's coming out in interviews and what he can do. But man, um, you know, it, it sounds like we got ourselves a little bit more of a football player than we might have initially thought. And that consternation that came from draft day seems to be, you know, wavering thin. So I love it. I'm, I love it. I'm glad you're here to be able to talk some people down. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to tell you, it's going to be that after that first kick return for a touchdown, all those Bears fans are going to be going out there getting a Vanless Jones Jr. jersey. <laughs> Mark my words. It takes one person to look a little bit like Devin Hester and boom, everybody's going to go and get it. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it, it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's good, like we said, it's good to be able to learn about guys that, again, we, we get the little bit by watching the game tapes and stuff, but sometimes it's good to find, I guess, that personal element on on things and look we really appreciate your time matt do you, do you want to let people know where if they want to find out more about i guess other players that are are playing maybe if people want to do a bit of research on the upcoming season where you kind of put up a lot of your work yeah absolutely um we follow recruiting really hard probably the the biggest aspect of the game for us uh, that's where it all starts and where it all ends in, in our opinion so we, we do a lot of recruiting coverage um, but you can find it all at si.com forward slash college forward slash Tennessee uh, on Twitter. I'm Matt underscore Ray underscore um, and then volunteer country on SI on Twitter as well. Um, we'll have, you know, Tennessee should have more draft eligible prospects this upcoming season. Uh, year or two under Josh Hopple this should be an exciting time. So, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on and uh, look forward to doing it again in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers, sure. Good to have you, Matt. Yeah, we, we'll be doing it. We'll be in a lot of draft coverage pretty soon, so we'll definitely be, be uh, shouting you down to get to get back on. We've really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much, Matt. Thank Thanks a lot, Matt. Cheers, Cheers Matt. Buddy. That was a lot of fun. Just getting to learn a little bit more, and with that, it's a it's a good time to kind of I guess say to to people that while last year we kind of started most of our draft stuff after the season. We're actually going to be doing our drafts coverage prior to the season beginning this year. So early on, obviously, when before the college football season, we'll be doing kind of many one show every two to three weeks. But as the college football season begins, there will be a draft show every single week. So we will be going through some of the key matchups that happen in college football. When there's not a key matchup in a given week, we will go and we'll look at specific guys. We'll have a bunch of different guests on to be able to talk about it. So I... Just one. I just think it's a really good time to announce that for people. So if you are really kind of interested in those draft shows, kind of make sure you come join us. Let us know who you want to hear us talk about. 
We obviously we will start. We will talk a lot about the offensive side of the ball and everything going on. But look, guys, before we move on to anything else, I just want to get your guys' opinion on what we were able to talk about there with Matt because, like I think like you said, Adam, there's a lot of things that we didn't know prior to it. And again, this is the reason why we're getting guys like this to come on because they have more of the inside scoop because they've been writing about these guys, talking to people around these guys, and they just know more of the the personal element of these football players. And it's funny. It took like two seconds to to make sense of that lack of numbers that we've, you know, we're kind of trying to make sense of ourselves that, you know, if this guy is that explosive, that dynamic of a playmaker, why aren't his numbers better? And then you hear about all the turnover and all the change and him personally, I don't know if it's because he's, you know, the elder statesman of the team, but personally going out and putting in that extra work to make sure that these younger guys do better because he understands the concept of growth, growth together. Um, that that gets me so excited about the upcoming year because, you know, as you asked with the question about them working together, we already have that that evidence that, you know, he, he believes in that growth. And we've got a very young team that if they can grow together and stick together, that's going to be an amazing asset for them to do as they go through the fire together. Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of cool to hear that he does take that role because there there's going to need to be some new uh, leadership roles on the team as they're they're slowly getting rid of some of the old guard. Um, and, and it's just exciting to hear that, you know, he's, he's a real ball player. He's not just a gadget guy. He's not just a, he can go up, go out there and catch the ball. If you make a bad throw or you're a little off, the guy can get it done. And, uh, you know, it's that little, it's that soft landing that I think we've been waiting for somebody who's watched him closely, not just watch tape that says like, yeah, there's a lot that people don't know about this guy yet. Yeah, I, I would totally, totally agree with that. I mean, the thing is everything that Matt was saying is there was very positive. Okay, so you've got a guy who's mature, who's going to his way to you know better himself, better the team. In addition to that, you've got an athletic freak again. Ran a four three, you know, he's yards after the catch, phenomenal. He's really difficult to bring down, regardless of who's coming up against him. Um, you know, and then obviously the fact that he can play in multiple places, work in the slot, he can work outside, he can work in the backfield as well. When you look at all those things and all the positive stuff that's been said. There's a lot to like there in terms of potential. Now, what what I will do is is is, is caveat that, and I thought I, I spoke about. <laughs> I don't like caveats, but I just want to put. He's a third round pick, okay. So we don't want to put too much expectation on the guy, okay. He's not a first rounder, you know. Similarly, we shouldn't have put too much expectation on the likes of Cole Komet and Jalen Johnson, because they're second round guys. They're not first round guys. Um, but saying that, you got a guy like Darnell Mooney who was taken in the fifth round who's turned into a phenomenal player. So, you know, clearly the Bears have looked at this guy and it's been it's been said as well that Ryan Poles and Justin Fields sat down and looked at guys in the draft that Fields thought would work in the offense and all this kind of stuff. And they've found this guy. So they've obviously got a plan for him and how they want to use him. I think he's going to be used so much more in this offense than you probably think he is. I don't think he's primarily going to be a return guy personally i think that's going to be part of his game but i think once you see the sort of contribution that he could make that that'll become less and and they'll they'll look more to have him as a kind of one of the key components of of the offense potentially but at the same time you do have to temper the expectations and not everything goes to bits after like four games in the season because he's maybe not producing at a certain level guy's a third round pick we have to keep that in mind, but everything that we've looked at, the tape, what's been 
said about him is really positive and hopefully that means something and it means that even you know you, you might not get first round production out of him but if you can get at least wide receiver three production out of this guy then that's a success you know um so I, I'm, I'm i'm i was impressed by matt's analysis of him i think uh you know it was real fun having him on and i'd love to get him on again but from everything i've heard it's got to be good so why all the negatives out there in twitter world you know like it's take away this guy's age because he's ancient 25 years old we passed it clearly seven broken hips yeah it might as well be bayless jones senior it makes (laughs) it makes us all it makes us all feel fucking ancient so so yeah like forget forget the age narrative guys it's nonsense just watch the tape and look at the athleticism and there's something to be excited about there yeah now that's the time but as well as the age as well i think kira mentioned it you know earlier on you have the mock drafts and stuff i think people got so set in their mind of certain players how they were ranked and in people's minds jones jr was ranked in the fifth or sixth round and they find it hard to switch that off but the fact is as you say we, we don't scout these players do you know what i mean the, the bears know what they want for their offense <clears throat> look two or three the, the wide receivers who were there at the same time they may be in better fits in other teams but you know obviously Bayless jones jr fits what the bears want they've scouted them they've done all the hard work and looked into it so I think people just need to lose that mindset and understand that these scouts and you know Pauls and Iberflus and and Getsy, they they've all done done the legwork. They know what they want. They know what this kid can do. I mean, everything Matt said there on and off the field just sounds promising. Again, you do have to temper that with the fact he is a third round pick, and you don't want to be dumping the world on his shoulders. But take the positivity. It's it's you know, as as we said earlier, why can't the fan just be excited and happy and you don't have to go over the top, but why not look forward to the season coming? Why not look forward to this exciting, explosive player who God knows what he can do on the offense? And if that bit of maturity is another cushion for, for Justin Fields as he develops and he gets his game and adjusts to the new the new scheme, you know, excellent. You know, it's just, it, I don't see any negatives to this at all. So, I mean, people just need to be positive on it. And this for me is what I agree with completely. We don't necessarily need right now. Chicago Bears don't necessarily need first round wideouts anymore. What we need is to get guys who fill roles and the last bit, an incredibly functional offense. That's all we want. We want an incredibly functional offense because we've got our quarterback, right? And we've got to be able to get give him some sort of talent. Also, this guy for me looks fun. Also, Noel, on your point, I couldn't agree with you anymore. People trying to prove that they were right is all I've been talking about for the last two years. People look at mock drafts and they believe, I want to be proved right. Such and such has to go in the first round or the second round. And when they're proved wrong, the GM of that said team, who knows so much more than that individual, is obviously wrong. So let's just put that down to either Adam's meathead friends or other people who are just complete <laughs> morons. Um, regard, regarding, yes. regarding, <laughs> regarding Jones Jr., I just think it's going to be really fun watching this dude. It just it just has a bit of Cordell Patterson feel about it that God knows what he could do. And in fact, having someone like like that in our in our backfield is gonna make defending us a little bit more difficult. Because he can play in the slot, he can play outside, he can he, he looks a really, really interesting guy. And I love the fact that he's a third round pick because he seems like he's a bit pissed off about that as well. He he turned up to camp with like whiteboards and I love all that stuff. I love all the idea behind him coming through like that. And I'm intrigued. The, the the tape I have seen of him, like some of the passes to him are terrible. 
and he was turning some of those passes into touchdowns. There was one against, I think it was Missouri, or what did I have against? It was, yeah, it was Missouri, where the the, the, the ball was at his toes. He picked it up, and he literally beat around five players to score. And and he's just exciting. He gets you off your feet. You want to go and see players like him play. And look, let's let's see what he has. The fact that we don't have a wide receiver one or a main guy outside of Mooney might actually help this guy because we're going to be looking for four or five different playmakers on that offense and we need four or five playmakers on that offense. Yeah, it's interesting because I hear what you guys have said about the whole first round picks and like I think people do concentrate on if you don't take a wide receiver in like the first round or the second round that there's nobody else that's that's any good and it's very simple. The reason why that happens is because who do we talk about for like six months of the pre-draft process? Yes, we will have like certain shows and people will talk about some of the gems of the draft, right? But the facts remain the same. Most people talk about the guys that everybody has heard of at the big schools. But the reality is 50% of wide receivers in round one don't make it and they don't get to that second contract. And we've seen plenty of them over the last couple of years. Now, the same thing will happen this year. There was, what, five taken in the first round. You're guaranteed that one of them is going to be a potential superstar. One will be a very good player. The other one will be a productive player, and the other two guys probably won't be on their teams in two or three years' time. Like That's just the way it happens. And what you want to do is you want to pick guys with traits that you know fit in to your offense That at that point in time. The one thing I, I say about Vanish Jones Jr., it's, it's a very low floor, right? Because you can see ways that he can be productive. Like, let's say he struggles at one aspect of the game where you still have him as a productive guy to have a kick returner. You still have him that can possibly be, if you want to be a little bit kind of tricky and you can make him run from the backfield if you, if you really wanted to. You can get him being, like, the one thing that I found was really interesting that I think suits really well is the fact that he said that, that Matt said that he's one of those receivers that comes back to the ball when the quarterback needs them to. And that's something that you want to see. It's when things break down, can he be a guy that Justin Fields can rely on? And that's what you're looking, that's what you're looking for. And I see that in terms of him. The reason why I asked the question is his work, his work ethic, because what I want to see is when they break up for their summer break and they have what is it, four weeks from mini camp to uh, or maybe two weeks from mini camp to training camp. Last year, we saw Justin Fields work out with Darnell Mooney. I'd like to see Justin Fields be working out with Darnell Mooney, be working out with Byron Pringle, he's there, and be working out with Valus Jones Jr. Like, if you have Valus Jones Jr. just being a productive player in his rookie season, if you can have Byron Pringle being productive and Darnell Mooney continues on the trajectory that he's on, you're not going to have a bad offense like people are expecting because those are three guys that can be productive. And then you're hoping for a little bit out of the other ones. And look, Tony, I'll, I'll bring this one to you because this is one thing that has been going through my mind is if he's a productive player and let's, let's say he gets the five, six, seven hundred yards receiving, gets four or five touchdowns, gets a couple of good kick returns, right? You've actually set your, for me, I think you set your offense up in a good way where you have a Darnell Mooney that you know what he is. You have this productive rookie coming in that really, if you go into next offseason with that idea that we can get a difference maker at the wide receiver position, you've now overturned your entire kind of offensive position there. 
within 12 months, which we've all said is really, really difficult to do. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, if he get if he comes in and his floor is wide receiver three, then great because we've got our wide receiver one or two with Darnell Mooney. And as you say, you're kind of build you're building this thing up. You're not you're not going to bring in your full set of offensive wide receivers in one season that's going to take you to the Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. It can't happen like that because there's too many, there's too many needs and too many holes that need to fill on on this team on on offense and on defense. But I think what the what the great thing about a guy like Jones Jr. is is it's that versatility and it's been able to. I spoke about a, 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 this the running back uh, room for the Bears. How strong that is this year and Velas Jones Jr. is part of that. So you're mm-hmm. talking about this particular sort of offensive scheme where. The run's going to be really, really relied upon, but it's going to open up so much more in terms of the passing game and play actions and RPOs and all that type of stuff. So you've got Montgomery, you've got um, Herbert, you've got uh, the fullback Blazing game, um, you've got Tristan Ebner who looks like a like a good kind of rookie yeah. as well, and then you've got Phyllis Jones Jr. who's not primarily a running back, but he can absolutely be a running back as well. So you're you're setting yourself up in a situation here where if you don't have at least your wide receiver three, then you have a gadget player who can play all over the place as well. Um, and you, you can still, you know, you're still going to go out there and you're going to build in terms of your your offense. The other thing is as well, is we don't really know what we're going to get with these other guys that we've brought in, um, you know, in terms of uh, Sharp and, and, and Pettis and all these kind of guys, because it's, again, these are guys that have, were, were drafted relatively high in their own rights as well. But for one reason or another, things haven't worked out. So clearly the physical traits are there. Something, Something's just not clicked. Maybe it's not been the right offense. Maybe it's not been the right situation. If, if, if anything, what we forget as fans is that these guys are people. And sometimes people have stuff going on in the background. You only have to look at that story from, from Tariq Cohen uh, yeah. from last week or the week before, whenever it was. And there's so much shit going on in the background in his life while he's still out there playing for the Bears and everyone's out there giving him pelters for this, that, and the next thing. or you know, And, and you just don't know what's going on. So you know, maybe that could have been the situation where a lot of these guys who were drafted high and had a bunch of potential and didn't work out for whatever reason. Change of scenery could be great. Change of coach could be a personnel clash. There's loads of different reasons. But clearly you know they've done their evaluation on these sorts of free agents they've picked up later on and they've seen something there and they've thought let's bring that guy in because we know what he can do get him in the right situation with the right qb the right coach and all this kind of stuff and maybe it could work um so i'm i'm excited to see you know where it's going um and i I think you know in, in terms i spoke about it again it's going to take a couple of years to get this thing built up to a level where you want to be but if you can go in and be better than you were last year, then that wouldn't be difficult. Then that's a success. You know, get competent coaching, less errors. You know, um, don't don't give you know five and ten yard penalties up on the offensive line. That things like that that can make the difference between winning and losing games. If you've got a functional offense with players being used to their strengths, that includes the quarterback. Then that's got a, that that is going to spell success. So I like the way it's, I like the the way it's trending at the minute. 
Yeah, I agree. And it, it's interesting that there was a really good comment here that I want to bring up and just in relation to it, because the one thing I had a very sim, I had a thought probably yesterday where I see similarities in the way Vanish Jones Jr. and Darnell Mooney are currently being talked about, right? For different reasons, but they kind of go in the same sphere. And look, I'll, I'll open this up to you guys. My thought is, based on where they were drafted is how people are talking about them. Like, we've seen, and this comment kind of puts it, right? So how a reporter saying that Mooney is not even a number two receiver when he's had over 1,000 yards, right? The simple reason is, if Darnell Mooney put up the yardage that he has and he was a first-round pick, people will be saying how good he is, right? But because he was a fifth-round pick that not a lot of expectation was on, he's produced in a terrible offense. He like He's hit over 1,000 yards last year, and we saw how pathetic that offense was last year. And I think that's a big thing to be able to take away. If you're able to get 1,000 yards in an offense where literally you weren't able to score more than 13 points a game, like that just shows you... If you can even be satisfactory on offense, that can keep going up. But also, if you can get other guys that can help you actually get more plays on offense, like that's the thing. Like the amount of three and outs that the Bears had, and the amount of limited opportunity that Darnell Mooney actually had because they weren't on the field that much because they couldn't sustain drives. So that's where it's going to be interesting. And look, I feel like with Velas, he's one we've seen it. Over over time, the tape doesn't lie, right? The amount of times it's been a simple kind of pitch and catch and suddenly someone misses a tackle and he's 20 or 30 yards down the field. So you're going to see that. You see a good mix of players kind of coming in here. And I think it's actually good that we kind of see it. And like you said, Tony, you don't know what the guys in behind, the Tajay Sharp, the Dante Pettis, and there's actually a bunch more that are there as well that, we're probably going to become more accustomed to as it gets closer to training camp and we hear more about these guys. And especially when it hits preseason, there's always one guy that that stands out and people are like, I want to see more of him. We had a couple of them last year, but that's going to be interesting as well to see what can the bears actually do. And like, look, Adam, I, I want to bring you in on, on this one before we move on to some of the other, I guess, offensive pieces and doing a little bit of an analysis. And um, there's, Two little pieces here. One interesting nugget came from an article written by Adam Johns in The Athletic saying that the Chicago Bears are transitioning into a run-heavy team with the outside zone. Again, what I like about that is you're going towards the strength of your offense right now because, again, we've seen how good the run again can be. The offensive line that's there are good run blockers. So it is interesting to see that happening and hopefully they're putting themselves in the position to succeed. But the one thing that I, I just keep looking at here in terms of the offense is when you have all these different pieces, you have the one thing that I've said is every single person that's been brought in, whether that be Byron Pringle, whether that be kind of the latest guys in Tajay Sharp and um, Dante Pettis, there's a link to this coaching staff with, with every single one of them. And Adam, I want to bring you in here because Ty Tolbert was recently talking about Dante Pettis basically saying that he didn't get all the opportunity that he probably deserved with the New York Giants because he was put behind guys like Slayton, Galladay, Kadarius Tony when you're a first round pick. So I guess what's your opinion 
when you hear something like that, that for a guy that you've just picked up lately, you already have your wide receiver coach pretty much going to bat for them, saying that it's not that they don't want to succeed. It comes down to the opportunity and it comes to what we've said. Sometimes you have to make it to where the opportunity eventually equals the production. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of uh, goes to what we were talking about a little bit the, on the show right after they signed him that the uh, one of the big potential knocks on him used to be like, does he have that want inside of him? And it's big for a guy like Tolbert, who's very well respected to come out and say, like, he's a good wide receiver. He just never had the chance. And you look one one step deeper. You talk about, you know, Mooney and the atrocious offense putting up numbers and performing and everything. It wasn't a good offense in New York when Pettis was there. So, you know, he he might be behind uh, Kadarius, Tony. There might be other weapons on that offense they're focusing on. But even if that offense is humming, air quotes, uh, it's probably not going to be that good. Uh, if they're passing the ball that much. Same thing with Tajay Sharp. He was in Atlanta kind of towards the the period of time where their offense was falling apart. He was doing decent. He was reliable in Tennessee when they had an average offense, and then he goes to Atlanta, and and they go on a huge downswing. So both guys are, are partially a victim of circumstance as well, and I think that helps bolster the point you made about Mooney where you know they're an atrocious offense. You're not moving, but you still got a guy producing. So what's he going to do again? Like I said, my word this entire summer is going to be competency. Uh, you know, Pee Wee Herman style, let's all go nuts when we say the word of the day. Uh, if the Bears are competent, these guys are going to show that whether it was a fluke or not. Um, you know, I'm excited to have Pettis. He had a great rookie year in San Francisco. He kind of fell apart <laughs> when other people came in and stepped up in that offense. Uh, they had their own little quarterback thing going on there. You know, is he good? Then Jimmy G gets hurt and they've got all these backups going playing quarterback. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't easy there for them. Um you know, it, it's exciting to have, again, these guys with potential talent who've shown that they could do it. Now it's just a matter of if they can. But, you know, we've got a million bites at the apple with these guys. You don't know if they're going to be good. But I'd rather have somebody who did it at one point, lost it under bad circumstances, to know that he might be able to get it back as opposed to, well, he was a first-round pick, so he's got the pedigree. If I don't hear about pedigrees anymore, I'd rather hear about production over pedigree because if you've seen production, that's going to supersede pedigree any day. Yeah, absolutely. And look – with that, what we want to do is within the show, because we're, we're going to focus mainly on kind of some of these defensive additions and the defensive side of the football at the weekend, because we do have one of the reporters from the Washington Huskies going to be joining us. We're going to talk a lot about kind of Kyler Gordon. We're hoping to get a reporter on from Penn State to be able to talk about Jaquan Brisker, but we will be talking about those guys on Sunday. So, Make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure that you kind of like the video and be ready for that show on Sunday because that's going to be a fun one as well because there's been a lot of publicity going with Kyler Gordon over the last week. So that's going to be a fun show. But look, we talk about this Bears team, and I think when we look at the offense, we know what we have in, in terms of the quarterback position. There's Justin Fields is there. We know that it's kind of what surrounds him. So I'm not too worried. We'll talk a little bit about Justin at the very end of the show today um, because I know a bunch of us have a a few thoughts on what's gone on there. But where I want to focus this on at the start because it's the most turnover on the team. Like Most of the running back room is pretty much the same. Main starting tight end is still there, but the biggest change has been on the offensive line. Right, We've seen four rookies come in. We've seen probably five or six other signings. And again, you've guys like Tevin Jenkins, Larry Boren moving into the next one. But where I want to start, and this is with you, Anthony, because I know you're a big proponent of leadership. 
this is something that you really want to see within this team. And look, Lucas Patrick was talking just recently, and I think it was what two days ago, and he really came across as that kind of leader. Uh, he could be one of those leaders on the offense. And when it comes to the offensive line, it's important to have both an offensive lineman that plays smart but tough. And that's what my opinion is of him. What's been your opinion of, I guess, what Ryan Poles has done with this offensive line? And then kind of some of your opinions of what we've heard from guys like Lucas Patrick over the last week. Yeah, Lucas Patrick was a very impressive guy, isn't he? It's just the way he speaks... It's it, coming down from Green Bay to Chicago was never an easy move for anybody, um, and I think he's spoken well. He's shown himself to 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 want to stand up and be one of those leaders and one of those guys who are going to going to help. And even comments he made about Justin already saying he's he, he he just is overly impressed at what he's seen and already straight away that that's going to give positivity around the place. I also think what's really interesting about the offensive line is we don't have a clue, but I get the feeling that I trust the two offensive linemen who are in our picking guys out, that they do have a clue what we're looking at. Um, and I think people need to remember that. Um, it, it's, it doesn't, and it goes back to what you said here, it doesn't matter where we drafted these guys. It really doesn't. Um, like everyone was going about, we need to get your man Bates. That was that was our big, a couple of months ago, everyone got Bates. Everyone remembers he was a UDFA. So let's, everyone was devastated when we didn't get a guy that we'd never heard of before. So I think we all need to remember little things along the lines of that. I'm excited to see some of these guys having a go. I'm really excited actually on Tevin Jenkins and what they're going to decide to do with Tevin Jenkins because we were all really looking forward to last year, a year and a half ago now, Karen, when we were doing the show at the start. It was all about Tevin Jenkins. Oh, he's going to be our first round pick and he's going to solve our O-line for X amount of years. Well, he was injured for most of last year and everyone seems to know already if, is he old? Have they decided he's over the age of 21? Therefore he must be shit. So what <laughs> I think, what I think is really interesting what they do with Tevin Jenkins. So do you put him at right tackle? Do, you, do they look to move him across the left? What do they do with Larry Borum? And I think before we even get to the point around the, the rookies and the, and the UFA guys coming through, almost deciding what we're going to do with those two. And again, going back to my original point, if our GM and our, our other gurus around that area believe that Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borm are tackles that would be NFL caliber for the next amount of years, then I would tend to trust them. Yeah, the interesting thing is, and this is where I think a lot of these guys need to, and it's hard to, I guess, analyze the guys we had there last year because they're changing the system for the offensive line. Like yeah. you've got, and there's a reason why they drafted those four guys, which we will talk about as well. But you need to be athletic in this outside zone run system for that they're going to use in this offensive line this year. They want them more nimble, that, but you still need to be strong. And look, the one thing that I, I guess you can take a little bit of encouragement with is when Lucas Patrick was talking about it, he was talking about how he was impressed with what Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borm have done up to now. But obviously it's until the pads get on, it's kind of hard to know kind of who are going to be these best linemen and look Tony I'll I'll bring you in next I know you guys were talking a little bit about this when it came to the rookies in terms of the offensive line in your show just about was it a week ago now um and it was an interesting conversation kind of figuring out where who might be the rookie that actually could come in and maybe vie for a starting role you guys were mentioning kind of Braxton Jones the interesting thing is because all these guys are they fit the athletic profile 
it's really hard to know who are these guys who's actually going to be playing this year. And the one thing that I actually see from this coaching staff and I see from, I guess, Ryan Poles and the fact that he has no bias to any of these players is this may be the first time in a very long time for Chicago that the offensive line may actually be just the best five guys that are there and you figure out a way to do it. And again, it comes to Lucas Patrick. He actually mentioned that as well. And he mentioned that he, he wants more competition there because he wants to push himself he want like right now he's basically fighting himself he mentioned every single day be more competition like i think he mentioned something like he wishes they could bring in 30 guys because you increase the competition on that offensive line and it's something that ryan Paul's has done when you draft four guys you bring in two udfas you signed another free agent since the draft ended you signed two guys prior to the draft beginning it's just the, this is going to be a really interesting competition as we go forward. And like Anthony said, figuring out how how good can Larry Borum and Tevin Jenkins be going forward. So with that, give us your kind of overall opinions as we are kind of previewing before we actually get to kind of these mini camps and training camps. What do you think? I know a lot of people are really down on the offensive line, but there are some reasons to be optimistic that there is a potential that, they could be good this year, or at least, I guess, above average and improving. There's an advantage to having this many guys brought in um, who are all vying for the same kind of spots. Um, couple that with the fact that we don't know exactly how the five of them are going to line up in terms of the starters means that you've got, you know, a minimum of 10 to 12 offensive linemen all fighting tooth and nail to get a starting spot there. Um, they're all being brought in for their athletic prowess, um, you know, their toughness, their nastiness, um, and that's the kind of change of tone that we're trying to put into this offensive line. I think the the surefire starter is is Lucas Patrick at centre. He's your anchor, and everything comes from round about that as well. Um, you know, Bears fans have been freaking out about the right guard position like no one's business i've never seen anybody freak out about one position on an offensive line more than the right guard position look we have we we've we spoke about the importance of uh scheme and coaching over um personnel uh not not so much over personnel but over um certain attributes of that person now we have brought in four guys in the draft this year who are all big, strong, athletic, nasty guys. Now, I would be quite happy slotting the majority of them and other than maybe the centre at right guard and, 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 and hoping that they can adapt into that situation because of the type of scheme that we're going to be running, they've got the athletic ability um, to do it. So I'm feeling quite good about that. For me personally, I think it's going to be right tackles are going to be Tevin Jenkins. Um, I think right guard is going to be um, one of the new guys. I don't know who it's going to be yet, but it's going to be one of the newer guys, uh, maybe uh, Carter. Um, I think Borum is, a, is an option at right guard as well. I don't see Larry Borum as a long-term long -term left tackle. I think he will be replaced eventually, and I think Braxton Jones is the kind of guy they could do it. I think for me, I like Larry Borum, right? But I think there's a lot of a lot put on Larry Borum because we didn't really have much else going for us. 
So it's like, oh my God, Larry Borum is the second coming of, coming of Jesus. You know, he's fine and he's a great he's a great option at swing tackle. But for me, you shouldn't. I don't. I think you can get better starting track tackles. I think Jenkins is is definitely the starter on the right. I think if you look at the players that were coming out of this year's draft where we were drafting, there's no tackle you could have picked up at that point who's better than Jenkins. Um, and and and. There, Taking away the injury aspect of it, I think Jenkins is a much better prospect than any of the other ones at that point. So he's your starter at right tackle. Um, you've got your centre in there. Whitehair's probably going to be the left guard for the moment anyway. Uh, and then I think you you know it's, it's unlikely that Braxton Jones comes in and starts at left tackle uh, early on. It, it, it probably will be Borum or some sort of um, veteran that's picked up later on. Um and then again, right guard can be filled because of the scheme. Is that the scheme's going to change so much here, and it's going it's going to elevate players and make them make them make their skill set work, and therefore make it work for the team as well. Um, and I think that that's one of the big things here is regardless of the player that's there and the player type that they've brought in is great, athletic, mean, whatever. But the scheme change is going to be so much so much of a factor on this. And the coaching is going to be so much a factor on it. Keep coming back to the offensive line mistakes, you know, the the false starts and all this kind of stuff um, that that cost us so much uh, in so many close games last year. And if you can eradicate them um, and get people in a in a scheme that's suited to their skills, then it's it's going to be a good thing. So there's definitely some uncertainties and there's definitely some questions that need to be answered. But I think um, there's the there's the there's the the makings of a good offensive line, potentially, and it all starts with the anchor and Lucas Patrick at center. And, and you talked, Tony, about the strength in numbers. And, uh, you know, Anthony, you talked a little bit, too, about some of the guys we have in here and putting the best five out there. And you know, I just wanted to jump in real quickly because one of the things that, again, like oddly comforting was you, you watch – in the past, like Negi and Pace press conferences, you just felt like they were talking to say words because that's what was expected of them. Um, after the draft and after the rookie minicamp, when Poles was talking about the offensive line and, you know, we got Zach Thomas out there at right guard and he was looking good. Braxton Jones was, he was talking about these guys and I forget which reporter it was, but they said, what makes you so confident in these guys that, you know, they're late round draft picks. Obviously there, there wasn't that much going on with them. And he almost seemed offended and he looked at the reporters and he got a smirk on his face and he said, I'm an offensive lineman. I know offensive line play. And it's just one of those things that you're getting a guy to take. And we, we hear about the receivers ad nauseum. It's the Justin Fields needs weapons. Justin Fields needs receivers. Uh, you know, we hear, we've heard about the line a lot, but that that's the part that we brought in two guys at the top of this structure, this new structure, non-ownership wise that excel at this type of thing and come from places where they've shown that, you know, they, they can build monster offensive lines. So, you know, you get that strength in numbers. You bring these guys in here with these multiple tools, these high athletic profiles that if they can even take the slightest bit of coaching uh, from these, these coaches that they brought in who also have good track records, you know, these guys who, who know offensive line play and saw something, I trust that. And it's oddly comforting to be able to sit here and go, you've got all these late round draft picks, who, who very well, one of them might be a, a starter. And I'm not going to bat an eyelash at it because the last several years, we've seen a lot more late round guys coming through and getting these starting roles and playing well. And it all just comes back to coaching and, and those intangibles that can you coach them up and can you do it? And that's, again, where the secret word of the day, competency, comes through. Yeah, and 
the interesting thing that I look at because when you want to analyze the offensive line, it's I always find it's one of the more interesting camp battles because it's something that we always look forward to see who can kind of I guess stand up that we're not expecting, right? And the interesting thing is, let's say if the Bears do bring in like a veteran after kind of the June first cuts to be your right guard, like you put yourself in a position where literally your entire backups could be those drafted players that you brought in and you give them an opportunity and you're not forcing them in from an early stage. And if somebody goes down, then you bring them in. But like, there's a potential here that any one of these guys could start, right? So like, for example, right, the we mentioned Braxton Jones because he's the first guy. Up. Let's say he comes in at, at left tackle and you don't even notice him because he's he's been good. Well, then if you really wanted to move Larry Borm, you can the one kind of caveat that I'll mention with Larry Borm is I think a lot of people think he's okay because we didn't actually have to talk about him too much last year because he didn't make loads and loads of mistakes. That's kind of what you want from your offensive line. Like you prefer not to know who they are because at the end of the day, if you don't know who they are, you know, they're not bad football players. Like the problem is why is it that we knew of some of the offensive linemen last year were constantly going in at them? Like, why is it that we know so much about Lechavia Simmons? That's um, that's one of the backups is because he came in and he looked terrible. What you want to see from some of these guys is that really when they come in, you don't really bad night it. You know them because you're a fan and because we look at these things, but when they're out there, it's not glaringly obvious which player they are, you know? So I think that's what's important, but when you look at there, so we mentioned Braxton Jones. That's a potential to where he can come in uh left or mainly left tackle probably, right? Then you look at some of the other guys that are behind kind of Cody Whitehair, Lucas Patrick. You have Doug Kramer who, let's say he comes in and he plays really well at center. You have, or maybe halfway through the season, somebody goes down, Lucas Patrick kicks out to guard and they bring in Kramer and he looks good. Okay, well, then you have another center there that can play. If you want to talk about Jatire Carter, right? So let's say he becomes that mean SOB in the offensive line and these guys think, no, he can play now and he becomes a the right guard. Like, there's potential there. And then probably one of the guys a lot of people are talking about, and like you said, Adam, Ryan Poles mentioned that he was practicing at right guard was Zach Thomas. He's one that a lot of people were very high on and he has a potential as well. So Let's say, personally, I think the best scenario here is even if one of them doesn't come out of camp starting, that you bring in a veteran to play right guard, you have Borum, Whitehair, Patrick, whatever veteran is, and Jenkins, and then you allow these rookies to kind of learn behind some of those guys. And at times they come in because you look at the depth that the Bears have. Other than that, like the only other players you have are Julian Davenport, Sean Coleman, who was just brought in this week, Dieter Isolin, Sam Mustafer, Willie Wright, Lechavia Simmons. Like, that's it. Like, I'd rather see the rookies be the depth pieces, the backups to come in and learn behind some of those guys. You're going to have one or two, one, a veteran that here or there, because normally you hold nine or 10 offensive linemen because you know how much you need them in. And it's going to be interesting to see how they structure that. But I actually have. I'm quite positive or I'm quite I'm excited to see these camp battles happen. I think they're going to be really, really important. Something that 
it's been a while since we've actually been able to say that because most of the time it's been these depth pieces that were brought in in free agency by Ryan Pace at the last minute that really didn't have a hope. Like people were complaining about like a Dakota Dozier. Like Ryan Pace is bringing in three or four of those guys to start. Like that's that's the big difference here. But look, I think the offensive line is going to be an interesting one as we kind of move forward. Um, we've mentioned the the wide receivers already. Does anybody want to kind of talk a little about some of the other guys? I know we've spoken a bit about Darnell Mooney. We've spoken about obviously Valus Jones Jr. a lot today. Does anybody want to bring up any of the other wide receivers before I kind of move on to the running backs and tight ends? Yeah, just just on that, I mean, it kind of feels like old news now since it's been so long since we actually signed them. But I'm really looking forward to what Byron Pringle is going to bring to the offense. He's another big guy who looks like he he has you know a bit of explosiveness to him, and he can he can make things happen when when the ball goes his way. So I kind of feel like it's been so long since we signed him, and we talk about the latest signings that he kind of he slipped behind in, in the mind a little bit. But I I, I think he could be he could be interested in what he could give give the team uh obviously coming from the chiefs you know he's, he was down a bit on the depth chart but that's understandable where he's coming from so i think this is a he's another one of those players that he kind of got into the game a bit later he was drafted a bit later and you know he obviously maybe didn't go where he wanted to, where he thought he could go and he has that bit of a chip on his shoulder as well to, to show that he's like a top class player who can you know contribute in, in game so for me, I'm kind of outside of Valus Jones, so I'm really excited to see what he does. I'm actually looking forward to seeing what Pringle actually brings to the team. Yeah, I think there's a lot of production here. Look, I guess before we I move on to the tight ends or running back, Anthony, I have to come to you. Like we haven't spoken about him <laughs> at all. Like, look, I'm gonna be serious on this, right? Let's assume he gets into training camp there's no other changes to the wide receiver because honestly i think at this point you probably aren't making any more changes until at least training camp what would you like to see from whether it be das newsome or whether it be some of the other depth pieces on wide receiver to kind of stake a claim because there's the potential that that could happen because right now we probably have well four receivers you feel decent about that can make this team then after that like you never know and at the end of the day most teams keep around six or seven so what do you want to see from Daz Newsom this summer it seemed like from some of the pictures that he gained a little bit of muscle he didn't look quite as thin as he did when he had to come in and play for the Bears towards the end of the season yeah, I think I think not just for Daz and look, yeah, I, I think that's really important that he that he accepts that there's more than just I, I'd even go further, Karen. I think I think there's one guaranteed wide receiver, two if you include a a, a draft pick, so let's say two. And and therefore if you're coming into camp, you gotta realise that you're one of ten and there's like six spots up five or six spots up for up for grabs. And you want to go and grab that third or fourth fourth spot, especially as you weren't drafted by these guys. This is a brand new coaching ticket in here, and also your escape into the into the team last year was through special teams. Well, that that kind of window is closing there, my friend. And we're now we're now really going. Are you the wide receiver you want to be? And not just him though. You you've got. I, I love the fact that there's guys who are from first round, second rounds, previous years who are given one year and gone. You want to you want to be a football player. You want to come. You want to be the guy that Karen you spoke earlier on about that. If you have five great uh, first round wide receivers, one will be great. Two might be good good football players with a, with a two or three year two or three contract extensions, and then two guys drop out. 
well, you two guys are obviously the two guys that dropped out. So here's your chance again. Here's your chance. Do you want do you want to take it? And I really like the fact of that we're creating that kind of atmosphere within Hallis Hall. It's one of if you're not good enough, we're not just going to keep you around in the in the uh, in the practice squad just for the sake of we think you're a good dude. We're going to cut you and we're going to bring somebody else in because if we can cut Khalil Mack, if we can get rid of Mack, if we can get rid of Hicks, if we can get rid of all these superstars within, within Chicago, we're going to cut Daz Newsom, we're going to cut Pringle, we're going to cut these guys. So I really want the wide receiver court to, to see that. It's also really interesting, you said something earlier on, is that Mooney was the guy that used to go on, go, go away with, with Justin for like when everyone was down. Well, my God, if I'm Daz Newsom, I'm ringing Justin Fields going, where are you going on holiday for those two weeks? Are you where are you go? You're going to Hawaii. I'm going there. I'm with you there. I, I, I'm I'll be honest. That whole that whole wide receiver core should be going wherever they are in Georgia because at the end of the day, like you have a a job to fight for here. Because Correct. like we said, you have two guys, re- probably three, because putting Byron Pringle in kind of the the I guess the position that he was kind of poses kind of first wide receiver that he's brought in. You can maybe put Equinemia St. Brown because obviously coming in with Getsy, if he can show anything, he'll probably make the team. But the thing is, there's still some of those depth pieces that still need to be filled. And if you're at that point, you need to realize that you need to impress. Otherwise what will happen is they may keep four and they may just bring in two guys that get cut from a different team. So you really need to kind of impress and you need to show out and camp like, you can't do what Thomas Graham Jr. told us a couple of week or a couple of months ago, where you can't just leave it until the end and just assume that your draft selection is gonna make is gonna make you make this team. It's the same for those four rookie offensive linemen. Like we're saying this that it'd be cool to have them as backups or starting, but you gotta you gotta make sure that you are one of the eight or nine best guys that are there. Otherwise you'll get caught. And the one thing that these guys need to do is they have to be ruthless. Poles, Cunningham, they've got to be. They don't have it. They shouldn't have any bias towards any of the players. Once you draft them, that's it. They're part of the team. But you need to see them as before. As I know, we as fans like to talk with the human element. If you're a general manager, you kind of need to remove that and just kind of treat it as what can this person do for us. And if they don't have enough production there. You just gotta let them go, and and that's that's the interesting thing as we kind of move forward. I think that's really really important that the Bears finally do because I think that was Pace's biggest problem. He yeah. got so personal that he didn't want to let go of his favorites, even if his favorites were not producing. I think that's sorry for interrupting and cutting across it. You hit the nail right in the head. That's what I mean when I say we got the adults back in the room in Hallis Hall. Exactly what you've just said there, because we've got guys who are going to do what's the best thing for the Chicago Bears, not what is good for the that the guys are nice and make sure they're nice and they've got lovely families and it's nice for them to be involved in NFL. La la la. la. We're going to do what's right for the Chicago Bears, and, and I couldn't agree with you any more than if these if you are good enough, it doesn't matter where. And it goes back to what you said earlier on about Mooney being drafted in the fifth round. Mooney's a first rounder that was picked in the fifth round. That's the difference, right? Um, and what you want, you want if you're picked in the sixth, seventh, if you're a UDFA, you want to be the guy this year that they talk about. How did he not get drafted in the first, second, or third round? That needs to be your attitude going into camp. And if you have that attitude, you'll be okay. And that's what you need. And that's the interesting thing. Like, Velas Jones Jr. needs to come in and be like, why was I a third-round pick? 
I should have been a first. I should have been a second. And, and that's the way you kind of have to look at it. And, but those are the, the wide receiver offensive line are kind of the, the main ones. We've spoken previously about the, the tight ends. There's not too much to go in there. I think you guys covered it pretty well when you guys spoke about Cole Komet last week on the show. Um, we've spoken a lot about kind of the running back position. It's very similar to what we have last year. We spoke a little bit about Ebner earlier on. Obviously, blasting game was brought in as kind of the fullback into into this team and see kind of what he can do. Um, but look, the way to that we wanted to end the show today, we will we're going to talk a little about the quarterback position. So first of all, I liked what Ryan Poles mentioned and what some of the and what uh, Eberflus mentioned about the quarterbacks when they asked what did I can't remember what reporter asked. I think it was Dan Reader asked him what were the roles of the backup quarterbacks to for Justin Fields like is it to compete and the one thing there's like is to support Justin to help him and there was like one other thing that they mentioned but it was all about Justin Fields and this is what we constantly hear we keep hearing every single time Eberflus is talking every time Poles is talking I don't know how much they need to say that they're behind Justin Fields 100%. They mention it in every single time I think I hear Ryan Paul's talk. Every time I hear Eberflus talk, they always talk about how they're 100% behind Fields. And look, at the end of the day, both of these guys, Eberflus was a finalist to be the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach. And there were reports out there that that's who they wanted. Ryan Poles was there for the Vikings and the Bears. He was literally going to go to the Vikings if the Bears didn't hire him that day and not let him basically leave Chicago, right? Why would they take this job with a terrible cap situation, with no tradable assets, which we saw this year? Realistically, you had to trade Khalil Mack to get something. Very little draft kind of selections available to them to join a team with a second-year quarterback that you don't believe in, it doesn't make any any sense. And this is where you want to bring it to all these national stories. I'm not going to name names on this one because I don't want to actually give these guys publicity on it um, because they don't deserve it because they're not well-researched articles, and that's the problem. If these articles had this opinion but they were well-researched, I'd be like, okay, it's important to kind of look at. The problem is that they're not. They're these guys' opinions based on what Chicago is doing without actually providing any sort of context to it. Like, the, I don't hear about anything about the cap situation that the Bears were in. I don't hear about the amount of players that ended up having to leave the complete turnover of offensive system, that you are changing system on offense, defense, and special teams, that you have you had so many players leave on defense that you had probably the worst defensive backfield in football last year i know jalen johnson was very very good but like the bears ranked 31st out of 32 teams when it it comes to passing defense so like at the end of the day things have to change there you can't change the entire roster in one season and yet we keep seeing all these stories and look for bears fans that want to know about this they're doing it for clicks they're doing it for because they know you're going to react and that's what they want because as we've said, this is the part of the season where there's not a lot happening. And these guys know kind of what the Bears fans will talk about. And look, it's unfortunate when you see guys that you actually respect and guys that do a lot of work in the media come up with it because 
you think that they would be higher than that and you would do a little bit more in relation to it. But I just don't understand it because at the end of the day, everything that the Bears have done, like they're, they have to slowly build this thing. You can't just completely flip a offense over in one season when you have, what did we have? Maybe 30, 25 to 30 million in cap space and you had to fill 50 to 60 roster spots. It's just impossible. They didn't have the 100 million in cap space that the Jacksonville Jaguars did and they weren't going to overspend on one or two wide receivers. So this is where I think people need to be need to sit back a little bit. If the offense can take gradual improvements and then you go for it in free agency, you go for it in the draft next year, you bring in those guys on the offense. The thing is you still have three more seasons of Justin Fields to know what he is. So this is why I'm like, there's no need to rush this thing right now. And honestly, some of the stories that have gone out and guys that have a lot of following in the national side of things, it's actually embarrassing with the way they're talking about it, but yet, are not talking about it in terms of the guys for whether it be Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence because these teams have spent a lot of money on names that we've heard of. But what happens if Christian Kirk isn't the same player when Kyler Murray's not throwing him the football? Or what happens when if Garrett Wilson is that wide receiver that we spoke about that you are there's a chance that one of these guys in the first round, doesn't make it. What happens if that's Garrett Wilson? Well, then suddenly what did the Jets have there, right? So that's what I wanted to get across. And I wanted to give you guys the kind of floor because I know a lot of Bears fans have been talking about this on Twitter. For me, I got annoyed after the first one three, four, five weeks ago. Now I just brush it off as this is just same old crap and people are falling for just constantly trying to, comment on it and get angry that's what they want because they want more engagement they want more fans to see it so i just wanted to give you guys the floor to talk a little bit about it and what your opinion is of those and then obviously moving forward with justin going into the off season yeah i mean i'll go first the the the, the thing that annoys me is these guys have a platform and uh, as you've mentioned they've got thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of followers um, so people who are not kind of diehard Bears fans sit and watch every game are not going to understand and also don't know the you know the cap situation etc are not going to understand exactly what's going on with the Bears so their information is taken from whoever they listen to in the media it's like when you pick up a newspaper and you read your newspaper and you go well it must be true because it's in the newspaper you know, but it's clearly not because it, you know this media. The media, the media is tainted, and um, you know certain certain outlets are, are, are directed and geared in a certain way uh, based on their beliefs or their um, knowledge and things and all this kind of thing. So unless you actually sit and watch tape or know what's going on in terms of um, the the bear situation, then you're not actually making a full evidence based evaluation. It's, it's literally just looking at what you think the Bears are or, or what the, what you think their situation is and just writing a story about it. And then people believe that and then off it goes. But to, to say that the Bears don't believe in Justin Fields or they, they don't back him up is absolute madness. You know, as you say, the 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 fact that they've, they've done so much work with him in the offseason in terms of, you know, looking up types of players that you want to bring in. You know, having them there on the day that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are um, unveiled 
at the press conference. He's there speaking immediately after Flus comes off the stage. You know, if that, and, and then obviously the back of that, they're taking pictures with him, they're doing this, that, and the next thing they're putting out there. He is the guy that they believe in. They wouldn't have come here, as you said, Kieran, unless they wanted to work with him because they, he's a guy going into his second year and the, the, the kind of shitty cap situation, the shitty um, situation we were in in terms of draft capital, all those kind of things. You wouldn't walk, put yourself in that situation if you didn't have a quarterback you, you believed in because that's just walking into a mess that needs a long-term work, um, but 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 clearly with 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 uh, um, Justin Fields, that's not the case. If you think that they haven't helped Justin Fields, you're mad as well. They've brought in a new head coach. They've brought in a new offensive coordinator with a scheme that could work to his capabilities. They have brought in um, great options out of the backfield get the running game going, to open up the passing game, play action, RPOs, all that kind of stuff. Let's look at the wide receiver situation, okay? The wide receivers last year, what is the difference between them and who we have this year, okay? So fair enough, you get Darnell Mooney had, what, 1,000-odd yards or whatever. So great. that That's a, hopefully a continuation. Look at A-Rob. Now, the stats for A-Rob last year, 400, just over 400 yards, one touchdown, and only caught 57% of what was thrown to him. Demir Bird, one touchdown, 300 yards, 68%. You know, not quite as bad, but then a different type of receiver. Marquise Goodwin only caught 50% of what was thrown to him. Half of the balls that were thrown in his direction, he didn't catch. And he only had one touchdown and 300 yards. That was a situ- That was a room that needed vast overhaul. And that's what is happening gradually. It's not happened entirely. But again, he's brought in a guy like uh, Pringle, who had nearly 600 yards last year, five touchdowns, and he wasn't even wide receiver three on that Kansas City Chiefs team. You know, give that guy more opportunity. Again, there's a situation where he could get better. We've talked about Velas Jones Jr. as well. There was a lot to look at that that room and 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 think, oh God, there's so much needs changed. The scheme's going to be huge in this. Cole Komet didn't have a, a touchdown last year. He's your he's your tight end number one. He didn't have a touchdown last year. How many balls did we watch him drop last year as well that he should have caught? You know, there, there, there's obviously a coaching issue. There was obviously a coaching issue there because you've seen him at Notre Dame. Uh, I say Notre Dame because that's how it's pronounced over here. Uh, don't, get, <laughs> don't, don't get offended. Noted. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and, and you know, he, he's, like, he's, he's a ball-catching machine. He scored touchdowns. That's why he was drafted by the Bears in 2020. But since he came to the Bears, it just hasn't, it hasn't worked out the same way. Now, you can blame the scheme, but again, the balls are being thrown at them, and these guys are not catching the balls in the same way. So there's obviously something going on there. So they say they don't believe in him is, is, is nonsense because they're trying to fix that situation. They're trying to fix the offensive line by bringing in as many people as possible to compete for these positions, anchoring your, your offensive line with, with Sam. So the, the whole narrative that's coming out in the national media is utter nonsense. It's for clicks. It's for retweets. Please stop, stop doing it, guys. Just don't fucking retweet them. Don't like it. Don't respond to it. They want you to bite. That's the whole thing. It, it, it's like certain certain other um, unnamed uh, websites. We're not going to go into that. Who put out clickbait articles constantly? I cannot stand it. Don't engage with it. That's why it keeps happening. Okay. And if you can do that, I mean, it's harder to do it with the national media because trying to con- trying to convince 
millions of people not to engage with someone is hard, right? But the point is, you need to you need to read between the lines, do your own research, and come to your own conclusions, as opposed to just believing the guy who has a stage for whatever reason and is is going off in one. So yeah, it's it's total nonsense the whole thing. But um, this this is a game coming back. This is the power of the media. You know, it, it is they can make you believe anything you want. It's used all the time in political campaigns and all this kind of stuff. And it's just just as powerful, not quite as important, but just as powerful um, when it comes to football and evaluation of players, evaluation of teams, and uh, and and creating narratives that are just false. In my yeah, opinion. yeah. Well, one so- of the things I hold on. One thing that you mentioned there, Tony, that I think is very important, and I think based on what you guys mentioned last week, the fact that Kalkmeh had the same amount of touchdowns as all the punters and on the Bears team. Just to just to put that out there, um, yeah, interesting <laughs> enough. Hopefully, he can score more than the uh, more. Hopefully, he scores more touchdowns than Trenton Gill does this year. So that'll be an interesting <laughs> one. Just your just your weekly punter. Uh, Look, we're, we gotta no, we gotta get the long snapper stuff in a couple of minutes, kid. Um, we get that sorted. We get that sorted. Uh, the, the other the other thing as well is, and I said this last week, and I mean it. Some fans are stupid. Let's just accept that, right? Some fans are stupid. Well, what, was, what was the word that we came up with about the Twitter? Or twats. Twitter twats. Twitter nice. twats. Perfect. Perfect. And and some people are, are desperate to read negativity. Oh, I want is negativity in my life to listen to it. And I want to be negative. That's what this is. And then people are feeding off the fact we're in Chicago, right? That's what, that's what it is. It's a big, big media boom that you can get involved if you become a big fish in chicago you will make your money and that's all people do this for so let's talk about justin fields because he wasn't smiling with it like the one two months ago where an old fucking man wanted to take a photograph of justin fields and justin fields says no and your man had a meltdown that's the bullshit i'm talking about those kind of humans just don't have them in your life because they will drain you what you need in your life is to make your own research look at look up look at real chicago bears fans follow the irish bear show follow the Irish Bears Network. Look at all the other podcasts that are out there that give real information about real, real stuff. Not just all positive stuff either. It's good and bad. And it's explaining what we think. We have all said this. We do not believe this is a Super Bowl team. No one is dreaming that up. What we are saying is we're seeing stuff that's positive on the way up. And we have not heard one positive article from here. Like some of the stuff we're going to finish 32nd, I think I heard today. And we're going to be a first round for like. Jesus Christ, we had Nagy last year and we won six fucking games. I mean, come on. Like, they look at look at the schedule this year. Look who we're playing. I can tell Again, you one thing. If we come 32nd and get the first overall pick, I'm trading that pick for about 10 first round picks this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I just find this. I find this. It's actually funny. If you're one of those people that have got obsessed with what the national media say, what, what somebody says on Good Morning... NFL, whatever it is, then that's cool. You go and do that; that's fine. But I don't want to. It's ha- it's having it. such a negative effect on everybody, though, because it's the knock on is that I'm go- if if they say it's shit, then I'm just going to think everything's shit as well. I mean, mm-hmm. look at that the uh, Kyler Gordon clip that the Bears put out the other day, him catching the interception and running it back. So you go into the comments, and all it is 
Who threw that ball? Was it Justin Fields? Oh, for <laughs> four, <laughs> you would swear people were praying it was Fields. They wanted yeah. it to be Fields, like because they needed to run with that Look, narrative. Are, like, yeah. it's, I'm it's gonna say right now, we all know who it was. It was the player that they brought in to do this, Nate and Peterman. They brought him mm. into the defensive box to catch him football. Guessing up the defense, baby. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. And then, and then, if someone else said, uh, "I was like, oh, why, why can't we just appreciate a good, a good, a good play by our rookie? He's first OTA. That, that's awesome." Do you know what I mean? It's like, aye, but you know, he was playing against the twos as well, and it's like, <laughs> you know, why do we have to caveat everything with, "Well, you're right, but." Um, but that's you know, what it's going to be like this year, right? So we see, we're going to talk about Justin Fields. He'll have like some extremely impressive practice and everyone will say well he played against the twos when last year it would be like he had an extremely impressive practice he was playing with the twos like it, 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 do, it just doesn't matter like adam i'm gonna let you come in on this and what's what's your opinion of i guess just all the talk around justin fields right now well you know nothing will never be enough and that's the unfortunate part of it all is that you know uh everyone's into doom scrolling these days and you talk about you're just looking for that bad news and i think the the national media knows that and the unfortunate part about it is you know i, I give the chicago media a lot of credit they're being very realistic about it but they're also not all doom and gloom they're pointing out the good things they see they're pointing out the bad things they see but if you see a national name on a major outlet that everyone's familiar with or jason leisure in chicago who this just this morning was talking about the expectations were too high for the cap that ryan poles was given um, you know, you, you see that balance. And unfortunately, what a majority of people are going to see is that national opinion. And then, you, you know, you talk about it being Chicago and that's the low hanging fruit of it all is that we're a heritage franchise. We are one of the OGs of, of this league. And, and the fact that something there's a little bit of adversity over here, we could be a Super Bowl contending team. And if Justin Fields, you know, gets a hangnail, there's going to be all sorts of reports about does he have dainty hands or, you know, it, it's never, never going to be enough. And they're going to try to always find that one thing to get that hive mind of things are going crazy in Chicago. Things are bad for Chicago. We've got some good things happening. There's positive change happening. Just today, we're hearing a report that the Bears are going to shift to that run-heavy outside zone offense. What's the one thing we did well last year on offense? Run the ball. We were a bottom three team passing. We were number 11 in run, uh, run offense. Obviously, we're doing the things that we've clamored for, accentuating the positives, growing as a unit. We, we might not have found all those pieces to fix the offense, but if we found a few pieces to get the offense moving, you got to start the car before you run it. And everyone wants to see the house before you build it. Um, you know, that's, that's, I think, what we're Adam, missing. Adam, you is, love a metaphor, by the way. I love, love it. a metaphor. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if my turns of phrase will make complete sense sometimes, so I just try to make sure that I can keep us all together. As the one import on the show, because Corey ditched us, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but it, it's just it's one of those things where they, they see something that they know people will react to, and I think it makes it easy. And honestly, I don't even know if they believe half of the BS that they say. I think it's just easy don't. to say, like, yeah. you, if we sign the guys that Jacksonville sign and then have, uh, you know, oh, they finally spent money and then have a terrible year, what's the narrative going to be then? Oh, they wasted their money and they tried to throw Band-Aids on a situation that required much more than Band-Aids. And, you know, we, it, it's it's just unfortunately how it is. And, you know, I, I came up out of college as a, a member of the media, and I always joke that you know, social media and media and everything, it can be very cancerous when, when it comes to the way that people react, things react and, and things grow. And this is a great example that there are a few people out there who have large followings, who speak as gospel, who don't know what's actually going on here, 
They're just looking at what names do I see on that depth chart? They don't see a number one wide receiver. Well, all of a sudden it's a failure. Whereas the people on the inside are seeing the little things they're doing because we know that day to day, not the big picture. Yeah. The big picture looks bleak, but day to day it's improving. And, and, you know, that's that's what we see. That's what we wish that these people would focus on. Unfortunately, that's not what gets the clicks. That's not what gets the reactions. And it's really unfortunate because there is a good thing going on over here. You see some of these other franchises, they're they're trying to fast track it. And, and you know, they might have some good pieces, but long term stability wise, it might not be there. And I'm looking forward to building that stability before we start spending money on pieces that might not be what we need. Yeah, absolutely. Look, now I'm going to come to you to kind of round out the show here so what's what's your opinion on everything that's gone on over kind of the last week in relation to this yeah look there's, there's not much to add more than what the guys have already added there there's a lot of nonsense out there some guys who are who are national they're not as close to the bears so they just run with whatever they have in their head as you say they talk about darnell mooney in the way they do because they know he's a fifth round pick they're not looking deeper then there are some kind of closer to home that are just looking for clicks and we know who they are. And as the guys say, don't interact with it. Why, why would you bother? Like it's, it's, it's just ridiculous. Like if there's anyone out there that wants us to spend the kind of money the Jags did or the Jets do in, in the off season, well, I'd say go back and look at the history of the Jets and the Jags spend the money in the off season and tell me, do you really want that? I mean, I think what, what Pauls is doing, I love what he's doing. You know what I mean? This, this thing has to be built up from the bottom again. There was, they needed to make the moves they did they didn't want to start throwing money and kicking more money down the road that you're going to catch up on again it's going to be another problem they said right fuck it let's just let's just clear it all let's bring it back to a basic we get the money sorted out we get the right kind of players in and build a foundation and then next year we can take that next step because they'll have more money the the, the salary cap will be sorted and i that, that's the right way to go it takes a little bit of patience but you know in the long term you build up from the bottom and you have that foundation strong and, and that's it. And I mean, for me, you know, are we going to win the Super Bowl? I'll guess no, you know, who knows what can happen, but I'll, I'll go with no, but, but I like the way they're structuring everything. And there's no reason why this team in the next two or three years can't be a challenger if they continue to kind of build from the bottom the way they have been. So look, there's no negativity here. Be happy, be excited. You know, we have a new regime, a new scheme, new players, you know, future's good. Can I just yeah. say one more thing as well? Just sorry, Kieran. Just uh, we've got Justin Fields at quarterback. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that Justin Fields is going to be phenomenal. I'm not saying he's going to be shite. We don't know exactly what's going to happen, right? But if Justin Fields takes that big step this year and really becomes that that kind of great quarterback prospect, that just changes the whole narrative of everything. I mean, look at Green Bay, right? Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. But their wide receiving core is pretty shoddy. But everyone's expecting them to win 11, 12 games because Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. Not, never mind anything else. They've got a good running back uh, situation. The wide receiver's terrible or not great. And they've got Aaron Rodgers. It's a very similar story to us, except that it's Justin Fields, not Aaron Rodgers. If Justin Fields becomes that guy this year, then it doesn't matter as much who's playing a wide receiver anyway because they, the good quarterbacks elevate wide receivers and running backs and everybody around about them. So we have to remember this, that we, we're talking about surrounding Justin Fields and helping him, right? And that's absolutely something that's going to happen. But we can't 
keep thinking that it's just we are making Justin Fields better. Justin Fields could make the rest of these guys better as well. Do you know what I mean? So there's that narrative that people keep forgetting about and getting lost in. Let's wait and see what happens. Let's wait until September and let's see if this actually, if that, that step does happen. And if it does, then this whole conversation's, you know, irrelevant because, you know, Justin Fields is making everybody else better around about him. He could be the guy. Let's see Absolutely, if that Tony, yeah. But just, and that's the one narrative that is, is a bit irritating that, oh, they're doing nothing. They don't like Fields. They're doing nothing to help him. I completely disagree with that. And, you know, the fact that they're doing what they're doing, I think, shows they have trust in them and they actually believe he can run what they want him to run. I mean, the whole story that they don't trust him is just, it's its actually laughable. Like, so I don't know how people even with a serious face try to, to push that forward. Like, Yeah, absolutely. Look, it, it it's hard to, I guess, give credence to a lot of that because people only see it based on the names of players that are brought in like if you saw whatever it was julio jones that was brought in instead of it byron pringle and julio didn't play all 16 games but byron pringle did and was productive people would still feel better about the bears if they had that big name come in versus a guy that can be productive so yeah look it's it's interesting to see how it goes but look camp is going to be very very interesting as we kind of move forward like we said earlier on we will have a show on sunday where we'll focus it on the defense we have a reporter from the washington huskies going to be joining us to talk a little bit about kyler gordon she's kind of she's been had the opportunity to both cover the team but also i know that she's met kyler gordon as well and been able to kind of talk to him so it'll be interesting to see kind of the personal element of the bears first pick this year in the draft so like we said earlier Make sure you like the video. Make sure you're subscribed. The important thing is make sure that you have the notification bell kind of ticked as well so you don't miss any of these shows or don't miss the start of the shows as well. Um, because, again, a lot of the, these interviews, again, are at the beginning of the shows as well. So just make sure that you guys do get involved. You can message us, let us know kind of what player you want us to kind of go into more depth it we will try and get somebody on from each of the schools that the draft picks have come from throughout the summer just to make sure that we can get i guess the best analysis of these guys not just what's on tape because the guys the bears have brought in so look it's great having being able to talk to you guys tony anthony adam no it's it's always good to be able to talk bears like i said we will be back on sunday to hit to break this down even more and continue this it's it's always good to kind of see what it's like prior to camp and then everything changes guys come in guys go the position battles are there but it's good to kind of see that process and kind of move forward but look i just want to say thank you guys for for joining us today thanks for all the comments they've been really really good it's been a good little debate that we've had got to get a little bit heated on talking about this issue as well and got to do like a little mini rant. We might see a little bit later. Can I just say more? Can I just say one other thing as well? To Agent Mole, I'm safe. Don't worry, I'm absolutely are you, safe. Are you safe? That you look like you've been behind me. Yeah, I'm absolutely like, fine. It looks like like I'm glad I can finally see your hands, Anthony, because I was convinced they were like stuck behind your chair the entire time. There, there is no one in front of me. I promise you, with a gun, there's no one there at all. I'm all I'm all on my own. I'm quite safe. Yeah, he's able to blink twice. That's okay. You will talk good about the Bears, sir. 
very very good look guys until next time like we say for the end of the show all we can say is bear down bear down bear down, bear down. Bear down.